0: Listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 508. My name is Dave, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Wayne. As we return to talk about the Fox series Fringe, and uh, definitely good to get back to talking with you about TV. Uh, obviously, it's been a rough couple of weeks and maybe a couple months, so appreciate you know, everybody that contacted me on and, you know, offline, it it means a lot. It's just uh, really tough. My wife lost one of her younger brothers to cancer, as you know, and, uh, you know, so uh, family's doing better and gets better each day.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, it's, that's just such a difficult thing. And, you know, just i really sorry for you and for mary and mary's mom and everything and uh, i'm glad to hear that you know that the uh that that very gradual slow process of of healing that you know, is very difficult you know hopefully in the interim you guys
0: enjoyed our you know dipping into our back catalog for some episodes that aired oh my gosh like i think the one was world war z i think was 2013 and then birds of prey 2014
1: (laughs) yeah for for, uh, fred's feedback on world war z and i'm like i literally can't remember i mean i know i really like the movie but i haven't seen it in ages and i have absolutely no clue what we actually said about it um so well fred really liked it it sounds like he actually didn't. I don't no, I'm know. kidding. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I missed his tone. Maybe <laughs> no. I wasn't picking up on some of the subtle hints in there.
0: <laughs> you, you missed the subtext on that.
1: All right. Well, that's not, it's not the first time that happened.
0: Yeah. But, the, you know, the interesting thing, as, as we've said, you know, a few times, we started as a podcast devoted to Lost Girl. And, you know, once we realized, well, now we've got like nine months to wait, what the hell are we going to do? And I'm not sure which one of us discovered Birds of Prey and the fact that Rachel Scarston, who was. That was definitely you. Okay, was one of the leads in Lost Girl. It just seemed like a natural transfer to make. And and I know we both really enjoyed that series that only lasted 13 episodes, one season. And I think in retrospect it's It's one of those shows that uh, you know it really if you're gonna reboot anything, I mean that certainly is a show that deserves consideration, and mm.
1: well, they kind of did right they, they had well, the, yeah. the movie uh, like a couple years ago, yeah,
0: something. but you look at all the the you know comic uh, genre that we see, both d c and Marvel, and I mean obviously more d c than Marvel. Well, that's not true. I guess at Marvel, it's more like in the Netflix and I don't know, whatever service Marvel's on now.
1: Um, Uh, They're on Disney Plus. Okay.
0: And uh,
1: all the DC stuff is on now, just Max, no longer HBO Max.
0: Yeah, I saw that. So uh, anyway, uh, just a reminder to everybody, we typically record either Monday or Tuesday. So feedback needs to be in Sunday night, Eastern time. And if you're sending us audio feedback, uh, try to keep it under six minutes if you would please. Uh, Sci Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. And let me get back to the 2022 Saturn Awards that I started about a month or so <laughs> <Right>. ago. And <laughs> You know, the two categories I want to bring up tonight, Best Science Fiction Television Series and Best Fantasy Television Series. And these are for streaming. Last time, I, I think I told you those were network cable shows. So in Best Science Fiction TV Series, we've got The Orville, New Horizons, Star Trek Discovery, Lost in Space, The Mandalorian, The Expanse for all mankind and star trek strange new worlds now
1: you've seen strange new worlds right i've seen all of those okay except for the orville and for all mankind okay now i've seen some of all
0: of them except the mandalorian and strange new worlds now i haven't i'm not up to date on on any of them but i have a good sense so what do you think the winner was
1: well um i mean i've i've like I've heard great things about all of these. I mean, the ones I've seen all the shows you said, I would, if I had to vote, I would probably say the expanse, um, or stranger, stranger worlds was awesome, but the expanse was just, was fabulous. My son, uh, w- was watching for all mankind. And he's like, you have to watch this. This is amazing. I know you watched that one too, right?
0: I, I season one and, and I enjoyed it. I don't know why I never got around to season two. I, I, don't have apple tv plus though i have access through screeners but you know okay. so i guess i it's still could it's watch
1: like it. dude it's like five bucks a month it is the absolute best deal in streaming like hands down okay like apple tv plus is like the the most i ugh, don't even get me started. anyway so I, I would if i had to vote i would say the expanse what do i think actually won uh i'm gonna go with uh maybe let's let's say strange new worlds
0: and you would be correct hey there you woo. go all right all right now best fantasy television series we've got russian doll okay That's uh good schmigadoon
1: i have seen about it but i haven't actually seen it
0: wandavision
1: the wheel of time loki and the witcher well, in this one, what I think should win and what I think actually won are the same. And I'm going to go with Loki. You would be correct. Ah, man. I should be doing this for a living.
0: Now, I saw season one of Russian Doll. And for me, season two was unwatchable. And I think wow. in part, it's the actress. And what? That's kind of her. Did you watch Russian Doll? Yeah. Oh, okay. She just gets to be too annoying in that I could deal with it for season one but uh, I tried season two and just gave up. I, I wish I have seen WandaVision, but I haven't. I don't have Disney plus wheel of time. I tried and just didn't dig it. The Witcher uh, I loved. Um, yeah. and, uh, I guess now that, uh, all this stuff on the internet about the new, uh, recast. So I guess we'll see
1: we'll see yeah um, I, guess, don't, I don't i don't even know i assume i'm caught up was there just two seasons of the witcher i believe so yeah okay so I'm, I, I'm good there. but then they had like some kind of prequel, prequel yeah. season right so that was really good uh wheel of time uh yeah i i, I think i watched maybe two episodes one or two and then just I, it's not that i didn't like it per se i think just there was other things going on at the time i'm just like i don't have time for this i'll come back to it and just haven't come back to it. So Now,
0: I did manage to finish Netflix post-apocalyptic series 3%, uh, which I've mentioned from time to time. And, and I did really enjoy that. I, I kind of enjoyed the fact that I didn't rush through it. And I think I mentioned at the time season two started bogging down a little bit. But I guess the fact that I was only watching one episode every couple nights... It was much easier to stick with it and then season three picked up and it's pretty good i, I definitely can recommend three percent the brazilian post-apocalyptic series so now i got to find a new genre show to uh to ch- check out so uh you know we will see what are you yeah. watching
1: well it's been a while dave so i got a lot of stuff on my list so i'll, I'll just i'll just uh maybe talk about All right, let's talk about two things because it was the um, series finale for Picard and then the season three finale for The Mandalorian. Um, So, obviously, I will not reveal uh, things that happened just to say that. Well, if I think any Star Trek fan is probably would like Picard, but um, I know like you, you really were not into the next generation, right? That's correct. All right. Right. So there's probably, I imagine you're not alone there. Um, But if you are one of the people that maybe even cut their teeth, Star Trek teeth on next generation, didn't even really, maybe that was like your first doctor, right. Rather than the original series. I would think as a next gen fan, I absolutely loved pretty much all of Picard this last season. I, Adored. I would. I would marry it if my wife weren't around. Um, that, that's a joke. That just. But you know, um, as if people couldn't tell, it was a joke. But it was just. I just really, really liked it. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and especially the last episode uh, was just. Um, I really fabulously enjoyed it and i'm gonna leave it at that because that you know i I can't even get into everything that happened without there being spoilers and stuff but just um you know it was one thing i will say is that and you'll see the same words that they brought back basically i think pretty much the entire core cast of next generation for this last season of picard and it was awesome they even brought back some people from uh Voyagers, uh, Star Trek Voyager, not Voyagers, Star Trek Voyager, and they have anyone from Deep Space? I don't know if they, I don't think they brought Deep Space, but they, they even had Walter Koenig's voice as well, too, at one point and everything. So, um, for the the emotional feels uh, aspect, it was great. It was still very good storytelling. Our uh, boy from Howard County, Michael Chabon, is uh, one of the Uh, showrunners for it, I think, or not only if he's a showrunner, he's, like, definitely one of the the producers. I think he does a bit of the writing as well, and he's, you know, obviously a huge literary talent who, uh, you know, obviously loves Star Trek as well, so that's good, as well as all all the, you know, like, when we talk about Fringe, I I think, like, Alex Kurtzman and uh, Roberto Orsi, I think, are both working on Picard, so it's just, like, some really talented people behind this, and you can really see the, the the you know everything from the production values to the writing to everything is just awesome so um you know really i, I think even if you are not a next generation fan that you would probably enjoy uh star trek picard but if you you know it, it being a next gen fan would would uh, help so i'm gonna leave it. i'll talk about mandalorians uh season three finale next week. So I know I just uh, went on for a lot about Star Trek Picard as I probably should have known that I would. So, yeah,
0: that's cool. Um, you know, and, and I never say never, I I've probably seen the first 10 episodes of next generation and I, you know, it's funny because we, and we've talked about the production values of the original series and, and how that's kind of a deal breaker for so many of the younger people And as I get older, I don't want to say it's a deal breaker for me, but I'm less inclined to go back and watch shows where the production values are like that. And my wife and I run into that fairly frequently with British crime dramas, even from the early 2000s, where the production values are not what we're used to. It's like, well, that's not high def we're not watching that
1: right <laughs> yeah so yeah. you know well, in, to be fair well to be fair, but uh like the the original series actually if you watch it now like on um paramount plus they have like they've remastered it so it looks really good it's in high def it's still in four by three aspect uh, so you still get the box but it's it looks a lot And a lot of the stuff i see on there i'm like Holy cow! Like that's actually quite good. I'm like, I wonder if that's part of the remastering process. I don't know if those types of visuals were available to them in 1967, but uh, but yeah, like I just got to have this one because I, I watched the episode last night and they're on this planet and it's like these some furry monster blob type things, and uh, so in this one scene, I think it's like you know Kirk and Spock are standing there and the blob kind enters the room and they. They shoot with their phasers, you know. You see the little blue light come out of it, and then the, it just kind of like turns around and goes back, and it's just the worst. Like it looks terrible, but you're just like, God bless them, you know. They were they were really trying. They're putting it out there, you know.
0: All right, well, we'll go ahead and leave it there. We won't, you know, I won't take the bait and start talking about nineteen. 19- mid 1960s doctor who special effects so.
2: right <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right anyway let's get to fringe season two episode nine titled snakehead written by david wilcox who wrote 203 fracture which was that episode about the human bombs that that uh, mm-hmm. psycho military guy was uh, conducting directed by paul holahan who directed a couple episodes of castle and a couple episodes of the man in the high castle Really? Not to be confused with
1: each other. Yeah, I guess he just really likes shows that with the word castle. Yeah,
0: so this one aired December 3rd, 2009. So we've got another Monster of the Week episode, and I think I bring this up every time we get a Monster of the Week episode like this. Is it connected to ZFT? And while there doesn't necessarily appear to be any connection at this point,
1: well, reserve
0: judgment, and you know, who knows down the down the line whether it does become a thing. but sure.
1: well, I, I think we I, I have been on record saying, you know, we pretty much almost low key assume everything is some way related to cFt, but but this doesn't really have that really strong kind of paranormal aspect to it, right? Like this is something that I know Fred said that it's absolutely ludicrous the the whole concept of everything here. But for the the uneducated, the scientifically uneducated like myself, um, I'm like, well, that seems perfectly plausible that you could put uh, some little egg in a person's stomach and some squid pops out a couple days later. That makes sense, right? Um, so so I, I disagree with Fred on, on the absolute uh, ludicrousy of, of the, the plot. So, um, so because it seems at least could potentially be an actual thing scientifically i i would tend to think maybe not a zft thing okay and and the thing that i thought was cool is that of
0: course we first think that you know this secretion is going to be a drug which of course it turns out to be but for healing purposes rather than recreation now of course if there's money to be made organized crime is going to get its hands involved which is of course what happens here and just because you cut off the head of one snake we kind of know that there's going to be another that will probably come in and and you know just resume business as usual sure. I, I guess the one thing that that we don't really find out what happens is what happens to the kid. I mean, you know, on the one hand, the mother only cares about her own child, which, okay, I get that, but screw everybody else's children and parents if that's what it's going to take for, for this drug to be made. Now, granted, maybe she doesn't understand and
1: know about exactly. the and, whole and process. Exactly, that is probably what, especially we as Americans are oftentimes incredibly guilty of is just enjoying things and not really knowing slash caring what went into them. Like those clothes you buy at Walmart or the, you know, the, the really cheap food you get at the store and stuff like that. Like where did it come from? Like where did that coffee come from? Like, you know, was whether, was this stuff ethically gained or not? Like, like, we don't know. We don't care. We just want the lowest price at at Walmart grocery store, like whatever. Um, so I, you know, I, I think I think they're definitely kind of making a comment on that. You know, this woman who we tend to condemn, but it's like, well, are we any different? Really? You know, like not really just being focused on the result and not caring about, you know, who or what went into this medicine getting to my kid, right?
0: Right. I mean, you know, I want my 24-inch, $100 flat-screen TV.
1: Exactly. So, Yeah, and so obviously
0: that's the main story, kind of, but the other story that gets nearly as much airtime is Walter's journey towards independence, and I think that's a much more compelling story than you know, the monster of the week. And and that's fine. I I think that's good writing that that they're able to, you know, integrate both and and have the two mesh together. And, you know, that that opening scene when Peter explains to Olivia that he and Walter arrive separately so that he can learn to function on his own. And you're following me. Well, Walter, we were going to the (laughs) same place. And you see the look on Walter's face. It's like, okay, fine. That's true. But you're also lying. The, yeah. both things are right. true at the same time
1: right he's he's legitimately still upset when peter points out like we're just going to the same place so.
0: yeah and to be fair to peter it really hasn't been that long and, and as and i forget whether it's fred or alan that mentions it in their feedback that that final scene that, that's really touching between father and son where the experiences that walter's gone through in this episode have, have taught him that as much as I want it now, I understand I'm not quite there yet. Right. And <laughs> as only Walter can do, implants a tracking device. Yes,
1: yeah, right. <laughs> like, this is not necessarily better, Walter, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, anyone who has had experience with uh, parents and uh, dementia, especially. Um, this, this episode really hits home, you know, like you just recognize those things of, of your parents who, you know, you recognize as being as at one time being the big authority figure in your life. Right. And now, you know, you need to care for them. They are unable to really care for themselves and, um, or, you know, but they, but they still think that they can. And it's, you know, like that it's it's sad and it's difficult and it's heartbreaking in many ways and and uh, kind of seeing this with Walter's like it was it was getting me there man
0: yeah and i think what's also fascinating in this episode is that walter sets out with a plan that really makes sense much to peter's surprise and worry he plans to go check out several of the chinese herbalists that might provide clues with the worms that they're selling and, you know, he'll bring them back and and try to match up the genetics, which again, I'll defer to Fred, whether that's actually, well, of course there's, you know, genetics involved with, with these, uh, worms, whether he can match up the drug and the worms, who knows. But as he's self actualizing again, he spots Astrid following him. And as I think it's Alan points out, I guess she didn't go to uh, trailing 101 or else didn't pay attention in the class. That's that's for sure.
1: Right. She was very bad at it. And then her excuse, which she should have had ready, honestly, as bad at trailing as she is, uh, she completely fumbled the excuse as well. But if she had a good excuse, it wouldn't be nearly as funny. Right. It was very much more, a lot more funny to see her stumble and try to come up with like some. Oh, I'm visiting a friend just next to the Chinese restaurant. And and it turns
0: out to be the truth, which is what warms him, you know, towards not being mad at her. We're worried about you. And he understands that. And now, granted, he he is still early in, in this process. And when he tells her they're trifling with his dignity, we know he's right. But we also know that Peter's right in keeping an eye on his father.
1: Well, clearly. And, I mean, this proves like that, that he, sure. you know, Peter can't just let him do whatever he wants. You right. Know. And then he allows
0: her to accompany him. I think she takes his arm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe. Which is great. And then there's that scene when they're at the food stand. And I'm never sure whether he deliberately ditches her. Or if something shiny catches his attention and he just wanders off.
1: Well, he he did see something. It was like, oh, I can't remember what he saw. Um, uh, I can't remember. It's it's just on the tip of my memory. But but he saw something like, ooh, look at that. And he walked over there. But that does not explain why, you know, she would be completely, like he would have lost completely. But again, just like. I guess a little kid that wanders off. If you can just turn your head just for a second, all of a sudden, you know?
0: Yeah. He he lulled me into a false sense of security. And interestingly, Peter, you know, at first I think Peter wants to chastise her. And then he's like, he'll be fine. He he's got change. He's got his piece of paper with the phone numbers and Despite that, she's devastated. It's almost like Peter wants to have faith that it's going to be okay with Walter. She's not so certain, and of course, she feels responsible, and she's not. It's like you know, you know. My wife often tells a story of her mother going grocery shopping with five children, all under the age of like seven, or under the age of eight and what a monumental task that must have been. And, and of course many stories about, you know, one or more wandering off and, you know,
1: yeah, I think we have a, uh, my parents lost a child story for every single one of me and my siblings. Well, not my wife. She was a good child. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, but I remember, I mean, definitely we were in uh, grand Island, New York. There's a park there called fantasy Island. And, uh, um my not youngest but second youngest sister uh got lost and we completely lost her my mom was like freaking out obviously we, we found her again but i mean you know and we were always a little jealous because she got ice cream out of it you know they gave her ice cream and we didn't get ice cream and you know we were the good ones who stuck by mom you know the kid wanders off prodigal daughter gets the ice cream but uh but yeah, so I mean, like we get that Walter could have just, you know, it just it happens, right? It happens, and it's not Astro's fault. You're right, you know, it's just well, a thing. It,
0: it, it's so heartbreaking when we see him trying to call Peter for help, and he keeps misdialing, or he doesn't necessarily misdial. He just literally keeps dialing the wrong number. He's got the right numbers just in the wrong
1: order, and which I think was great. I loved how he remembered each of the numbers but just couldn't remember the order that they went in. That is is just so Walter right there. I just love that.
0: Yeah. And it's so sad because we know he's upset, not only about forgetting the numbers, but the realization that he's not quite ready to be on his own. And of course, once he's reunited with Peter and Peter just reaches into his pocket and pulls out, you know, the piece of paper with the phone numbers. uh, I mean, on the one hand, I, I, didn't like that peter did that but i think it's also one of those situations and again i mean you know you've got children i don't but i certainly can relate to that parent that the kid runs out and nearly gets hit in traffic and you go and you're yelling at him, and then you're hugging them yeah and and it's like i i think that was almost what peter's reaction is that that he wants to chastise them and then hug him and and he kind of does, not literally, but but I you right. know, I, I think he does. So, um, you know, and then just you know the, these these heartbreaking scenes that have you know the equivalent heartwarming scenes at, at different points. So, you know, when when Peter gets the call, and okay, I know where Walter is. He's fine. He goes there, and he's wearing that blue Chinese robe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and Fred mentioned that, like, what's going on? Fred seemed to insinuate that maybe there was some kind of hanky-panky going on, but I definitely did not get any kind of sense that there was any kind of hanky-panky going on. But then again, why, you know, it's not like his clothes were wet or anything, so— You know, but, you know, we do know Walter likes walking around naked. So, I mean, uh, I don't know. I can't so explain. It. I don't know why they did that. Maybe
0: but. it was a cultural thing that uh, I'm eating in your home so that I'm going to. I, I don't know. I thought the uh, same thing you did. It, well, it's not raining.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's just another kind of perfect Walter moment. You know, like they get there and he's in a robe. Of right. course he is. Like right. why? Who knows? Yeah.
0: Right. And, And I mean, Peter's exasperated and then calms down when he sees how upset Walter is. And then when Walter gets back to the lab and he's ready, I think, for Astrid to reprimand him as well. And it's a total opposite. I thought I lost you, she tells him. Don't worry about the damage. But of course, he's focused on the fact that you know, that, that, the, the bad guys followed her to the lab. Right. And,
2: well,
1: and it, that is absolutely completely Walter's fault. Like true. I mean, he doesn't mean it, but okay. Like Walter, you are investigating bad people. So that one, and you know, one of the places that you're going to is likely to be involved with the bad people somehow, right? How are you going and talking about your four foot long, uh, what do they call them? Worm. Right. Right. Like, yeah. dude, like have a little common sense,
0: but that's the problem. And, and, you know, like you, it, it's almost, I, I mean, Walter can be so childlike at times as we know, and you know, children, you know, even children that are brought up well can't resist the occasional urge to brag about something. And Walter's a scientist, and he wants to brag even though, you know, this guy, you know, for all he knows, has no interest in his four-foot worm. I can't, I can't believe we both – you said it and I said it, and yeah. we, we've we missed we just, the opportunity. We, we just let
1: it go. Yeah,
0: we'll let it go. Someone Sorry.
1: out there can just fill in the words. I think
0: we're so. we're maturing, aren't we?
1: Maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but but, you know, the – yeah, you know, the thing is, that's why, like, you know, Walter's desire for independence, while we get it, on the other hand, it had some pretty significant consequences here, right? Yeah, sure. Um, and he is not meant to be in the field. And it was just a couple episodes ago where he begged Peter to let him go back to the lab, when, remember? Yeah, sure. I think they're in Seattle, I believe. He's like, Can I, I, I want to get back to Boston. I need to get back to my lab. And now all of a sudden he wants to get out, but he's completely ill-suited for it. And, um, you know, it could have been worse, but the, there are definitely consequences uh, for his, you know, attempt to, to play secret agent here. Yeah.
0: It takes us back to that episode. Do you think they'll let me have a gun? Right. Yeah, only if we're in Florida. <laughs> yeah. so, um, but, you know, Astrid is just so sweet to him, hugs him. And just a, you know, really beautiful moment. And then, you know, at the end there, when Walter confides in Peter that he needs to continue his journey back to being whole, and and Walter understands it's the 17 years in St. Clair's that is responsible. Look, we understand that, that Walter Bishop probably was not the most socially adept individual before he went to St. Clair's, but... nothing like he is now so he decides as we said plants the tracking device and just peter's look it's like walter what did you do so you can find me and we'll see I, i don't know if it ever comes up in a future episode well
1: again like chekhov's gun right
0: yeah true true now there is one item that we've managed to not spoil through our first nine discussions and I probably should have mentioned this to you before we start recording and I won't mention it even now but it but it certainly speaks to Walter's journey towards independence and and you know it's something that will be brought into the mix I don't know if it's season two or if it's season three but uh, I'll mention it to you after we're we're done okay unless you can you i, I think
1: i know what you're talking about yeah. okay yes.
0: and then of course the the main story with the human incubators and you know that opening scene where that that wet distraught guys running through chinatown you know finds the address and uh anytime you see something like moving inside somebody's chest it, it usually doesn't
1: end that's well probably yeah that's that's definitely bad
0: that's yeah sure. so uh creature crawls out of his mouth that oh and,
1: yeah I see a tentacles coming out of his nose first and stuff just like, Yeah, oh, but, but it doesn't it
0: doesn't seem to you know catch the the dude with the you know tools by surprise he seems to be ready but sure. then uh, you know we find out we've got 27 dead bodies littering the shore i visually a, again as we've said it seems like we're saying this a lot with fringe equally cool and repellent (laughs) you know the guys with parasites partially sticking out of their mouths yeah i
1: I go with more repellent than cool but i i get what you're saying there
0: yeah and and you know walter extracts one hands it to disgusted Peter. Is like no and then i think i think walter doesn't take no for an answer and i guess peter even i think he even grabs it barehanded but Olivia and Peter, and, and and you know we always talk about Walter getting the best lines. I, I think it was Olivia in this episode, right? You know w- when when she first encounters the bishops and she asks Peter if he's had breakfast.
1: Oh, he's like, yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. And she's I forget exactly what she, she said. That's this.
1: unfortunate. <laughs> yeah,
0: and just the the whole manner. That's
1: a good line, you know. And you know, she's just Olivia is just not you know suited for the zingers, though. Right? no. Like, no. That's a good line, but. And I, and nothing against Anator or anything like that, but just we, we, Olivia's not our comic relief here,
0: right? Yeah. But you, again, we've seen them work as a team on so many occasions, and, and this episode's no different. They start interviewing, uh, you know, the, a survivor. When suddenly Peter speaks Cantonese, which surprises Olivia. Well, get to know me a bit. Get to know me, right? Yeah. <laughs> so then, you know, those of us are like, yeah, okay.
1: And we're ready right um but we do like yeah. You know, we knew peter has layers right sure and, and, and there's stuff that uh and they didn't really you know they they really did at the beginning where we just saw like oh this guy knows how to do a bunch of stuff right like he's you know kind of a man of the world um and they really kind of have put that in the back shelf, but for him to just start busting out some cantonese that was pretty cool
0: well, yeah. And, and it's funny because as you said, he's got a lot of layers as does Olivia. You know, I know, you know that, but it, it takes us back to, I don't know if it was last episode or cause obviously it's been a few weeks, but, but where she is that aunt that has that great relationship with her, I don't know, eight or nine year old niece or whatever she is. Mm-hmm. And, and allows herself to get talked into getting on the roller coaster. And yeah, as we said at the time, is she really afraid of roller coasters? That would be relatively ironic, but you know, I mean, you never know. True. Um, So, but of course we're asking, all right, well, why smuggle these creatures in? So at this point we're asking that, but we don't really have a good answer yet. And Peter posits, well, you know, some of these species naturally secrete opiates, and now we're thinking like, oh, okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that the, uh, we doubt that immigration is going to be, or I guess whatever organism, I guess it's Homeland Security probably, would be in charge of uh, keeping these uh, creatures out of the United States, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly makes sense that it's a drug, you know, as it's a background of all of this. So, right.
1: Right. You know, it it also, if, if it were just a narcotic, then it would be more clearly good guy, bad guy kind of the situation here. What we get is a little bit more morally ambiguous.
0: Well, yeah. And you know, it it reminds me of so many post-apocalyptic stories where, therapeutic drugs whether antibiotics or painkillers or whatever are in short supply because the production process has has typically been interrupted and and that's what the organized crime you know organizations are dealing just as much as the mind altering drugs so you know in this case I mean I mean it's not post apocalyptic but still there's a market for this drug on on the black market, uh, such as it is. And then once Walter becomes aware of the opiate, I, I guess that's when the thing gets loose and clamps on his arm and he's like, yeah. oh, that's quite pleasant or whatever. <laughs> right, it's like, right. you, Walter, you are not smoking this
1: thing. Uh, <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah, and then uh, it, that Let's was a see, pretty kn- Astrid gets the ziggers. Right? She, yeah. she knows that she can really... Uh, deliver those funny lines so
0: yeah and that was a pretty nasty wound so i'm not sure why you wouldn't want to run down to the infirmary and and have somebody put a bandage on it but i guess whatever but you know i mentioned a minute ago about olivia and peter working as a team and i just i don't know i don't want to say this was the epitome of their workflow but it kind of was they they go to the house of the woman you know whose check for five hundred thousand dollars to this you know sketchy financial institution or whatever it was and as she's talking to the woman you know in, in a really non-threatening manner you see peter kind of looking around and and we see immediately what he sees and we're making some sorts of connections just as he is, hermetically sealed windows. You know. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, this is obviously pre-COVID, so all the hand sanitizers everywhere. Uh, you know, is this a germaphobe? Which, you know, certainly makes sense. He sees sure. the, the HEPA filter. You know, up in the wall, and none of which she noticed. Now, you could argue, well, she was focused on interrogating the woman fair enough you know they they each did a job right and and now they put what they've learned together and and take the next step and i guess the perfect uh uh team in in this situation but walter discovering that after getting bitten by this creature his white blood count is through the roof and it's starting to now make sense that that this isn't a drug to you know recreate with but rather you know the new antibodies that he finds in his blood you know it's it's got medicinal purposes and it's like all right so you know does that change the investigation and, and who it is they're looking for do they really think this chinese gang is dealing in therapeutic medicine. Well, I guess at the end of the day, like we said, if there's $500,000 from this woman, there's probably $500,000 from somebody else. Right,
1: and they did. How many, what, was it like six other people? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so that's, you know, we're talking some pretty decent money. Right, And, and then again, you know, Peter and
0: Olivia roll up to the house the second time And the kid's like, hey, I know my rights. You can't talk to me without my mom or without a lawyer. And, and, you know, we assume Peter already alerted Olivia to his plan because she says, well, that's okay. Uh, I got to go see about a warrant anyway. (laughs) And then, you know, then it's just two guys shooting hoops. And, man, having to have that done every month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the, you know that that was pretty nasty that that scar. But I guess that's the price for uh, well, not I, I not living in a bubble.
1: I, I I don't think the scar was related to the the current medicine. I think that's something that like he had to get done before or something because well, I, I think got- they just. It looks like the mess is just a powder.
0: Yeah, but I got the idea. I think they said they had to inject it internally or something. So I think they have to open him up every month. Um, I don't think they just inject the the powder intravenously or. No, I could I could be wrong about that. But but I got the idea that that they had to open him up every month. So,
1: right. but he was showing the the scar was not it was like he was demonstrating that he was the one that like was sick, not his mom. Right. 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 At first I think it's his mom. And he's like, rolls up his, his shirt to show the scar, like to demonstrate that it's him. So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I did not catch anything about how they ingest. It. I'm, I'm sure that it was in there or how he, he takes it. But I mean, I, I thought the scar was just like a demonstration that, no, I'm the one who's sick. Here's something that, demonstrates that i'm the sick one
0: right and again it's the truth that really causes the kid to open up because peter's not lying when he says the people that your mom paid that money to don't like loose ends and you don't want your mom to be one of those loose ends and he's not lying no he's not and whether the kid and i think the kid is still young enough and naive enough and inexperienced enough to not be willing to take the risk that Peter's calling his bluff, which of course he's not. So.
1: Right. Well, also it's it's kind of funny. Like when they first meet the kid, he's like, show me your badge. And first of all, Peter doesn't even show him anything. Right. And Olivia shows him her badge and he's just like, all right, come on in. And they kind of look at each other, like smiling, like I could have shown him something I got out of a cereal box, I think. And you know, cause like, like who knows? Like, like, I don't know what an FBI badge looks like. If FBI agents came and said, we're the FBI. And I said, show me your badge. What they showed me. I'd be like, yeah, all right. I, I have no idea if that's an actual badge or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we know Peter has credentials and identification, but he doesn't have a badge so, right. because he's just a special consultant. And then that, that final scene with, with this storyline, when, when, uh, Peter tracks him down and for once the person does what they're told when he tells Walter stay in the car. Right. I mean, right. virtually every show they, they tell somebody to stay in the car Well, the person never stays in the car. They
1: never now, stay in the car, David. They to be never f- stay in the car.
0: To be fair, the person that's being asked to stay in the car is, is generally able to take care of him or herself so right. you know in this case walter does what he's told and i guess given the events of the the day he's not going to go against peters i guess it, it's fair to say it was an order but we we see this low-tech surgical operation designed to extract the worms and you know peter sees the people strapped down yeah i'm not sure exactly how he didn't you know get sick because the guy says if you Bite down on it; it's going to kill you, or you know. But he spits it out; it sort of looks in pieces. But
1: right, because he spits out like with like the clearly blood coming out with it. So yeah,
0: so uh, maybe the
1: guy was just lying. You know? Yeah, got there. He's in a the, bad guy. That guy's of time. Died,
0: Dave. Yep, good point. Good point. But uh, anything else about this one? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think it's one of the better Monster of the Week episodes. I, I certainly enjoyed it. And, and as we said, I think a lot of the strength of this episode is Walter's journey. And, you know, in this case, it's more Peter and Astrid that are involved with him and his journey rather than Olivia. She's just, you know, doing other things. Right,
1: yeah, and, and ironically, it seems like Olivia just does not have as big of a role in this. Um, but it is a John Noble centered episode for sure, and and that is the best part. I mean, he just he just killed it on yeah, all I, aspects. Like, I mean, the acting is just, and we've said it, uh, we
0: probably don't say it enough, but but the acting is just phenomenal. Uh, uh, you know, f- even we don't really have too many guests stars in this episode, but even the ones we do are, are
1: just the, the little girl is, is just yeah really great. And super cute too. Yeah. Really cute little girl. And parents were good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're right. Not a lot. Certainly no royalty uh, as guest stars in this one, uh, yeah. which is a shame. But yeah I mean like really John noble this is his this is his show for yeah. sure this epi- I'm sorry this episode is is his episode for for sure yeah so all
0: right well, why don't we get to listener feedback and and before we get there i I hopefully won't have to apologize for using wrong feedback it's been a couple of weeks and and you know I again I'm not gonna you know go go down that road again I,
1: if we if we miss your feedback it wasn't because we're we're not purposefully doing it. It's yeah. just been three weeks since we've done this. So Yeah. So uh let's hear
0: what Fred's got for us
1: and we'll be right back.
2: Hello Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci Fi T V Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Fringe season two, episode nine. I would give this episode an A, but if you're looking at Walter's role or John Noble's role, it would definitely be an A+. I think it's a very Walter-centric episode. Mostly we have Olivia in the center. Mostly a lot of Walter scenes have a funny touch to it, but now it's a dramatic touch. Really, really good scenes to start with the autonomy scene at the beginning where Walter arrives at the crime scene with his taxi and he says to Peter you don't trust me he is really trying to get his autonomy as an adult person and he doesn't want to be treated as a child but further on in the episode he notices that being fully autonomous on his own is not possible yet Which leads to a touching and funny scene at the complete end of the episode where Walter wakes Peter and says he has a tracker in his neck and he gives Peter, the responder, a real Walter solution to a problem. And not even that crazy. Also the interaction between Astrid or Agent Farnsworth, as he sometimes calls her, is getting closer and closer i don't think he will call her by another name than those two names from now on so no asterisks anymore from here onward at least that is what i predict i even think it would be inappropriate if they still do that i mean the writers The scene when Walter comes back in the lab and sees Astrid that she has been molested uh, and he gets very emotional is a very good piece of acting both of John Noble and Jessica Nicole who plays Astrid. Another scene with Astrid which is very nice is that when Walter is going to Chinatown and he is trying to find these hookworms. That she follows him. And first he gets angry. But then there are several bonding moments there on the market. And then we get into the next piece of the episode. The piece where Walter is lost. He tries to phone Peter but doesn't get the order of the numbers right. And is very sad. And we get some very nice close-ups of Walter there being desperate being sad being a kind of lost and there goes his autonomy idea down the drain and you really can see the impact there fortunately there is a somewhat older chinese woman who helps him out what was a little weird is when peter picks walter up at the apartment of this chinese woman that Walter is in a kimono or a kind of bathrobe there, instead of in his clothes. Uh, what did the two of them do? Why is he in a kimono? I shortly want to talk about Ming-Chi, Che, is played by Tsi Ma. I know Tsi Ma from the present series Kung Fu, and there is he a very warm and loving kind of father figure in that series and it was very strange for me to see him in this very goon-like role okay i will still give the episode a a and not an a plus although i'm very enthusiastic as you can hear about all the walter scenes and that's because the story of the week this was a little bit far-fetched with these worms as a hiding place for drugs uh, immune stimulating drugs it's of course a biological concept in that sense it's not even that crazy but the whole setting was a bit uh, bit far fetched bit complicated perhaps and that's why I want to go for an A on the other hand we can say it's fringe This was my recording of last week. Uh, I recorded this week some extra feedback on World War Z, a 2013 movie with Brad Pitt. A zombie movie, you could say. And that's because you didn't put Fringe on last week, but a Sci-Fi TV Rewards Rewind episode about this film. I watched the movie and listened to your podcast in the meanwhile. So if you don't want to be spoiled about this movie, then skip the next one and a half minute. Well Wayne, I know you like zombie films, but I really don't. I will give this movie a C- or a D-. It's really awful, but that's just because of the theme I don't like. But after listening to your podcast, I agree that the acting and for 2013, the special effects were quite good. So if I just look at the acting and the interaction between Gary and his wife, Karen, I would give it an A minus or perhaps even a straight A. It reminded me, by the way, very much... And that's a, no, well, it's not really so much zombie. The recent series with Peter Pascal and Bella Ramsey, The Last of Us. There we also see infected people who bite each other and then evolve quite slowly or sometimes a little bit more rapid into a zombie. But these zombies—they just bite somebody, and then within a few seconds, the next person becomes a zombie, and you get a well, avalanche, uh, a tsunami of infected people. The first 15 minutes is really, apart from a little bit family story background, really intense. And I must say, and I'm not going to spoil it now, uh, I found the ending quite weak. Uh, It's actually uh, solving the problem, but still having a whole world with troubles, but uh, with good hopes, more or less, whatever. It reminded me also very much of The Last Ship, with, uh, at least in the first two seasons, one of my favorite actresses, Rona Mitra. Okay that will be all for now otherwise it gets really too long greetings all the best fred from the netherlands right.
0: i obviously fred agrees with us or we agree with fred that that yeah. this walter centric episode and his desired autonomy is really kind of the, the 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 kingpin of this episode and you know his relationship with astrid because it wasn't all that long ago as he points out that that walter knocked her out with a syringe so he could go do something else so right and, and that was a, that was kind of a big turning point in their relationship and you could certainly understand if it took her a while to forgive walter so to to see their relationship take you know the steps they take in in this episode that was pretty good and and you know fred gives us one an a we'll talk about our grade You know, after uh, Alan's feedback as well. But then Fred talks about the World War Z episode that we aired or released with the uh, sci fi TV rewatch Rewind. Is it fair to say Fred's not a zombie fan?
1: I'm pretty sure he was pretty unambiguous as for his distaste of the zombie genre. Now, my problem with zombie movies,
0: and this is. You know, probably why so many people do like them. My problem is the overuse of violence. And I guess some people might say, oh, yeah, but that's what we like about it. Now, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. And, and, and I did enjoy World War Z. I, I think the, the story was good. The acting was good. Um, and we've got Peter Capaldi as a yeah. who
1: doctor. So that alone. Right. And Brad, I mean, Brad Pitt, I mean, Brad Pitt, he really gets to pick and choose what he does. So when he, what he picks for the most, I mean, there's a certain actors that, you know, like if they're in it, it's going to be good because there are people who can afford to just pick really good stuff and do stuff that's quality and not have to take crap to do. Right. Right.
0: Now, at the end of the day, it's still a zombie movie and. Yeah, but it's like a really good one though. Yeah. You know?
1: So. Anyway, um, anything else about Fred's feedback? Um, I would just say that he mentioned how the plot, the non-Walter plot, was far-fetched. And he admitted, I would agree with this, that Fringe kind of lives in the realm of far-fetched. So, you know, obviously it's like we talked about how I have no idea why he's in the robe, Fred. I got no answers for you there. Uh, Otherwise, I think think we got it. Oh, just like a C minus D for World War Z like Fred bro. Come on, man. <laughs> that is harsh, but I get, I get, I, I feel you, man, but I'm like, I, I'm not, I'm not with
3: you there. All
0: right. Well, Alan sent us an audio feedback again this week. So let's hear what Alan's got.
3: Hello, Dave, Wayne, and everyone else associated with sci-fi TV rewatch podcast. This is Alan from England, uh, here with some feedback relating to, uh, Fringe, episode 9, Snakehead, for podcast 508. Uh, Wayne asked about uh, watching w- subtitles. Uh, sometimes I use them, sometimes I don't. I don't think it's a general thing for adults over here to use subtitles when something's already in uh, English, but it has been recommended for children, watching children's uh, TV shows, to have the subtitles on, because then they it, it boosts. Uh, their ability to read as they're listening along. Uh, also about accents. I don't think I've ever had a problem with understanding any uh, American accents, but that's because to my English ears, they're not that different from each other. I mean, I can distinguish between a, a New York, especially you know, like a, a Brooklyn accent, and a kind of Massachusetts accent, Maybe California, maybe Texas, maybe West Virginia. Uh, but I'm sure someone growing up in the US would be able to take many, many different ones. It's probably different in each state, maybe different in parts of each state. Uh, now, of course, in England. Back in the day, right over hundreds or thousands of years, people grew up in communities and rarely would travel, or for any length of time, to the next county or next city. So, you know, dialects or accents got really strongly established in one quite small local area, and it could be quite different to the next area. Like the difference between a Manchester accent and a Liverpool accent, very different, but they're only like 30, 40 miles away. I think that in the States, because it was formed later with massive you know, immigration, people coming in from many different places, many people moving about uh, during its formation, then uh, a very strong local dialect maybe didn't have so much of a chance to uh, get going. So, Fringe, uh, Season 2, Episode 9, Snakehead. Well, those parasitic worms are pretty snaky, I guess, but I think the title refers to a Chinese gang, uh, or a kind of Chinese gang involved in smuggling, where the head is like the the first people who arrive, and then they smuggle people or other things kind of in behind them. So it's a bit like things are travelling up towards the head of the snake, like snakes and ladders, but you know, in reverse. Ever since Alien... 44 years ago, if you believe it. You know something wriggling around inside someone's abdomen is going to end very badly, which it certainly does for that guy. I love Olivia's comment as they gather, uh, one by cop car, one by taxi, and one from the fabulous Bishopmobile. Did you eat? Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. It's not an episode conducive to watching and snacking at the same time. Meanwhile, at Bishop's Live Bait, as Astrid calls it, Walter has to correct people twice from saying worms to, no, parasitic worms. And you get the feeling that one of the regulars is going to be affected or infected, like Charlie was back in that season one episode with those worm or insect things. A little later, Walter gets a much less invasive and much nicer buzz from a worm. And it makes you think, is there anything that Walter won't eat, drink, smoke, or absorb chemicals from in any way? Peter notices all the hygiene precautions in Matt's house, like a real trained observer, but it's not obvious what's going on at first as Matt's outside, and doesn't seem to be in any restriction or danger, and his mother doesn't seem to mind the duo coming into their house. The role of the immune boost. Boosting worms becomes more evident back in the lab. Uh, There are many animals whose parts are used in traditional Chinese medicine for various ailments, and they often get a bad press. So it seemed a bit stereotypical in some ways that that was the kind of essence of what was going on here. But there were Chinese people, good and bad, innocent, guilty, a a reasonable range. Uh, So it seemed more balanced uh, than it might have been. I guess uh, Astrid failed the uh, covertly trailing someone class 101, as that trail doesn't last long, but it's nice how they decide to go forward together. We see a real affection and closeness developing now, here, and especially at the end of the episode. Especially after that rocky start in season one, where we incapacitated her with some injection or other. After the preamble about Walter wanting to more to be more independent, we just know he's going to see something shiny or interesting and head off for it. Uh, but this time it wasn't a ruse, not like that strawberry shake ingredients request in the last episode. It's just Walter. I guess a mobile phone with a few program numbers would be better than a pocket full of quarters for a call box. Uh, but then if he forgot that the list of numbers was in his pocket, he might still forget the phone was in his pocket, I guess. But of course, Walter being Walter later comes up with his own high-tech tracking solution. When Peter attempts a rescue and attacks Ming-Chi, it is at first a short-lived triumph. We see this in so many shows. The protagonist knocks out the bad guy and then never checks to make sure they really are out of action before they move on to the next thing. And yep, then they get jumped. Well, Peter worms his way out of trouble, pardon the pun, thanks to his resistance and Olivia's timely rescue of him. An enjoyable, if monster of the week, episode enhanced with character development between Peter and Olivia and especially between Walter and Astrid. That's all for me. Take care. Alan from Pink. Alan,
0: I I love your feedback about accents and dialect and and as you mentioned it's based around you know something you had said about a month ago in, in a podcast about needing or not necessarily needing subtitles but how they make certain shows easier to understand but i just find that fascinating and again as i've said my wife and i generally only watch international shows and and Um, You know, granted, if they're in Spanish, we're, you know, our our Spanish is not only rusty, mine's non-existent, but even with the British shows, sometimes it's difficult to understand. And I think more than anything, it's the uh, you know the the slang that they're using and what it means. And I guess if you're you know, from the UK, you know exactly what certain things mean. And, of course, I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, um, but, uh, you, you know, he, he, he mentions why Peter didn't simply give Walter a phone with Peter's phone number and, you know, Astrid's number, the you know, broils, whoever already programmed in. And, you know, that's a good question. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, they could get on the family plan and get four phones for, <laughs> uh, you know.
1: FBI. Yeah. It, it wasn't expensive back then. Cause you wouldn't have had, you know, you wouldn't have had to have the, uh, you know, the unlimited data plan. Right. Yeah, right. Right. Just, just now, use it to actually call people or text people.
0: Right. Now, Alan, you know, agrees that, that, you know, Olivia got maybe the best line of the episode. And, and you know, we've talked that, you know, often it's. Walter that gets the best line, but I got to say, Alan's got the best line of this one. Peter worms his way out of trouble. Mm.
1: Nice. I, love it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's good. It's good. Well yep. done. So, uh,
0: all right. Anything else about Alan's feedback?
1: Uh, think you. Kind of cover. I just like the idea. Of, oh, well, just letting us know about how the R a cause uh, I'm sorry. The R I in uh, the peripheral which we were wondering about if that was like a, a real thing, Yeah. which I guess we could have looked up. That's just, that's how lazy we are. But, uh but yeah, thank you for confirming that with us. Yeah. Appreciate so. it. All right. Uh, what are you going for a letter grade? You know, I, I feel like it's the A minus, right? Uh, John Noble tour de force. Awesome acting story was, eh, you know, not spectacular. And actually the more I talk about the like I, the more I, the weaker, I think the, the other story was like, uh, the more we talked about it and everything. Um, so I'm going to go with a minus on this one.
0: Okay. Um, you know, I was thinking B plus, but I, I, I think, like you said, the acting John Noble in particular was just so strong and, and, and Jessica Nicole who, who plays Astrid, I don't want to say this was her best performance, but it's certainly up there. Yeah. I mean, you know, good. that doesn't, you know, certainly I don't mean to imply that her other performances were weak because they most certainly were not. But, uh, yeah, so I think we'll both go a minus on this one. Okay. Um, Alan, Fred, thank you for the feedback.
1: And I, I, just before you go, I did oh, yeah. want to mention there's one thing I mentioned about because yeah, Alan did uh, basically admit that uh, he agrees with my interpretation of the timeline in peripheral, by the way. I just okay. thought I'd point that out to you. Okay, so. All
0: right, well, we will leave it there. And now that we're back on our regular schedule, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. We want to thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Fringe, the peripheral, anything going on in your genre TV world. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. If you're already a member, spread the word. Emails can go to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at com. And we'll be back next week to talk about episode ten of season two of the Fox series Fringe. But until then,
1: yeah, I just remember when I was in college, this kind of brought up some memories of working with parasitic worms in like biology. I only took like two science classes the whole time I was in college, as if you all couldn't tell that. Um, but uh, I just remember, like, as we're working with things, just kind of like looking them and dreaming and thinking to myself, if only all parasitic worms were full of narcotics.